0: Pastor Rieger and uh, members, friends, guests, maybe even some past members of Trinity Lutheran Church, assembled here this morning to uh, begin a a new year, 2020. And uh, I might say that with 2020 focus, we are going to, this year, also recall God's blessing to us as a congregation for the past 150 years. First of all, as one of your past members, I would like to say uh, how honored and uh, privileged I feel to be with you this morning. The first of three throughout the year, three celebration weekends leading up to your big celebration in November. And under the year-long anniversary theme, God's love and faithfulness through all generations. Each of those three Sundays will consider these blessings from the standpoint of time. I've been assigned the past. God's work, our foundation from the past is the theme for today. And yet to come then are the, the present and the future. Past, present, future. I'm going to digress just for a minute here. You may be familiar with the phrase, good things come in threes. And when you stop and think about it, there does seem to be a a special importance given to the the number three in the whole economy of God's creative and saving work in the universe. Not only does the number three apply to the, the movement of time, you know, from past to present to future within the confines of those three dimensions of space, height, width, depth, and then recorded around the three essentials of life, people, places, and events. But we also see this this universal significance of time, as St. Paul reminds us, in life's three elemental virtues of faith, hope, and love in our bodies, which are all body, soul, and spirit. All of which, I think, uh, perhaps is a reflection of our great God, the God who is love, the God who is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one who designed this marvelous coincidence. I wonder, do you suppose Trinity's anniversary committee considered this in its three-part emphasis of past, present, and future? Just asking. Be that as it may, grace, mercy, and peace to you. Allow me for a moment to share with you a memory from my distant past. One of the, uh, the first memories I have in life, actually, 63 years ago this month. Um, January, actually, and I was just informed at the beginning of the service that my dad was installed here at Trinity 63 years ago tomorrow, January 13th, but 63 years ago this month. I walked into a basement room of the old 1915 two-story school building back here into a room that at the time was serving as the uh, the kindergarten classroom. I walked into that room last night. I think now it serves as your school's library there are no windows in it uh, i don't think it could be it would meet code today for a kindergarten classroom but two things i remember about that day in fact only two things two names actually the teacher mrs Henricks. later on i would come to know her first name was mabel and the boy that she asked to share his desk with me, Stephen Nino. Think of it, an obscure, insignificant event involving two names, forever etched in my memory, probably till my dying day, I will remember those two names. Historians tell us that the past can be repeated, I say it it can't be repeated, but it can be remembered, and it can be recorded. The congregation where I hold membership now is currently challenging its members to read through the Bible in two years. You know, a few chapters a day, you can do it. Well, a few months ago, we reached First Chronicles, If you've ever attempted to read through the Bible and made it successfully through the book of Leviticus, your next serious challenge is going to be the first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles. Nine solid chapters with nothing but names, hundreds of names, obscure names. Hard-to-pronounce names, names that you would never give to your children, even today when so many parents are giving their, their children Bible names. Names like Shenazar and Meshulam and Zerubbabel. What we have here is the genealogical record of Old Testament Israel's congregation. An anniversary pictorial directory, only without the pictures covering thousands of years, beginning with Adam, through Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 tribes, Moses and the the return from from Egypt, the Exodus, Joshua and the time of the judges, David and the divided kingdom, the exile in Babylon, and then finally the return from exile. It's a history lesson, the past summarized by way of names. Repeatedly, the phrase appears, these are the generations. These are the the descendants of. These are the sons of. These are the genealogies. Chapter 9, verse 1, subs it up. All Israel was listed in the genealogies recorded in the book of the kings of Israel. These are the generations. No doubt, the author of Chronicles at this time, and most scholars believe that was the priest Ezra, he was looking back and reminding the the returning remnant of Israel that God's covenant promises to their forefathers was still in effect. In spite of their, their obstinance, disobedience, unfaithfulness, in spite of their years of captivity in Babylon, God hadn't given up on them. And now, this would be an encouragement for them not to give up either. But, the question begs to be asked, why do that by recording here all the individual names of ancestors Names these returning exiles probably didn't recognize. Why so meticulously record and then preserve these genealogies? For that matter, we might be asking today, why add into the biblical record any of the names of people who were insignificant bit players, unimportant to the, to the grander, salvation story of the Bible. Names that can become a distraction for people like us who are trying to read through that story. Names we'll never remember. Why should we? Names like Euodia and Sintica and Clement, there in the New Testament church of Philippi, whom Paul mentions in today's Epistle lesson, and whom, other than the, the disagreement that they had, we know nothing else about. Why so much room and attention given to names in the Bible? I don't presume to know the mind of God or what motivated the biblical writers to include what they did, but one clear benefit for us of having these these generations of names recorded is that it places the revelation of God's salvation and our faith in that salvation on the solid ground of historical truth. Real people who have names lived in real places and experienced real events. Behind each name was a life story unique to each person. And all those stories would over thousands of years and finally then in the fullness of time come together into the one story about the one name that is above every name. The name that would forever complete God's eternal salvation plan. No other world religion has a sacred scripture or a a holy book with such clear, historical, contextual, down to earth and physical evidence for its truth. Not like there aren't lots of other options out there for people to consider, but every other option, every other theology, every other spiritual philosophy is conceived, not in the objective reality of God's work in history, but in the imagination of the human mind. St. Paul's warning to the Colossian Christians, and again later on to young Pastor Timothy, is just as relevant today in our digital age of postmodern spiritualism. He writes, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow, deceptive philosophy with godless myths and old wives' tales, gathering around them teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. The gospel truth of God's love His grace, His forgiveness, His life is as real as the people who experienced from from the beginning of time and throughout history, from generation to generation. People who had names. The other benefit that comes from having all these names in the Bible, besides giving it, I think, historical trustworthiness is that it reminds us of what really is important to God. God is personal. He is personally involved in each of our lives. The triune God is the God of the individual. Yes, God so loved the world of people, but he calls each person, whomever, whoever by name, to believe it to be his own. His saving purpose and loving work throughout generations was for Zerubbabel and for Mabel Henricks, for Sintika and for Stephen Nino. We may not remember the names, but God does. Through Isaiah, as we heard earlier, God had said, "Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name." You, singular you, are mine. These are the generations now. Preparing for uh, this weekend, I read through a few of the historical booklets that were sent to me and uh, had been published for previous uh, anniversaries, uh, specifically the 100th and the 125th anniversary of Trinity. Lutheran Church, a lot of pictures and documentation about Trinity's history was in there. Significant events, uh, buildings, programs, activities, all of which tell the past history of of Trinity now uh, 150 years' worth of time. But you know as well as I that the biblical picture of the church is not as an institution or a, a location, a building at the corner of 4th Street and 6th Avenue. It's the people. As I read through the names, saw the pictures of previous pastors and teachers, committees and, and organization members, a flood of memories came back from my childhood. Now, there were those those familiar, obscure Trinity names like Meyer and, and Kikanap and Velsky and... And Shrek, uh, one of your elders here this morning, a classmate of mine, class of '65, and and Keith Archambel, uh, not a member of Trinity, a member of the rival Sacred Heart Parish at the time, whom we fought with in in athletic competition for my childhood, uh, I, whom I see here this morning. You know. My name was, was in these documents here, listed among the, the many sons of the congregation in the ministry, the pastoral ministry, a uh, number of uh, sons and daughters of the congregation in the teaching ministry. In fact, in, in the publication 25 years ago, there were 26 sons of the congregation listed who entered the pastoral ministry and 65 sons and daughters of the congregation in teaching ministry. That was 25 years ago. That's something that this congregation can take pride in. Over the years, thousands of names have been written in the membership books of Trinity Lutheran Church. Each name has a story, a story that is eternally tied to a greater story. These now are the generations. These are the sons and daughters The descendants, the genealogies, recorded and connected to each other, not only in membership directories and and anniversary booklets, through the one name given among men by which we all must be saved, through the name that is above every name, the name that the angel gave to his parents to be called, and who was called at the time of his circumcision, called Jesus, the Lord saves Through that name that connects us all by faith, we have a continuity with past generations of believers. With all those Old Testament saints whose names are so hard to pronounce, through that name, praise God, we also have our names recorded in what St. Paul would call here the most important book, the book of life. On this Sunday of the church year, when we recall the the baptism of Jesus, we affirm once again that, that we are connected to Jesus and given his name, not by biological birth, but by sacrificial death. It would be Jesus' death on a cross in our place. And our participation in that death through baptismal water and Our daily dying to sin and rising to the new life, the exciting life of faith and joy in him. That's what records our names in that heavenly genealogical book. Purely by his grace, God chooses us and calls us and gives us his name. And then records us in the Lamb's book of life. My name is not recorded in the Bible. Paul is in there, but not Paul Clater. Neither is your name in here. Nobody in future generations is going, to, is going to read about us here or know what our story is. Considering much that has happened in my life, I can tell you I wouldn't want my name and legacy to be exposed by, by that, like that. None of the names listed in the Bible really deserve to be there. Many of them were scoundrels, all of them, sinners. In fact, Euodia and Sintica, Paul's fellow workers there in Philippi, would probably be embarrassed to know that that their little squabble was publicly mentioned and that Paul had to scold them by name to agree with each other in the Lord. That is, to be reconciled to each other through repentance and forgiveness. I'm sure that over the past 150 years, Trinity Lutheran Church has experienced its share of squabbles too. Even church workers are not above contentious jealousies and bitterness, disagreements. Neither are those whom they serve. Just like Israel of old, churches in today's secular culture are experiencing decline, both in numbers and in societal influence. And just like those Old Testament generations of God's people, we too might be tempted to give up hope. It's for that reason that, that this book was written and that God's saving work took place and was recorded in it, and that names were added. For the past 150 years, God has used Trinity Lutheran Church to add thousands more names, including yours and mine. These now are the generations of those whose hope is in the Lord, who joined together then along with Euodia and Sintica and Clement and the rest of Paul's fellows' workers whose names are in the Book of Life. And so, Paul, this Paul and the Apostle Paul would conclude these words by saying, then, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. The Lord is near, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds and your names in Christ Jesus.